Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. This is that crazy time of transition with like half the church leaves, amen? Goodness gracious, what a blessing it is to have all these kids here. And um, so we're going to just say a prayer for Laura. <laughs> I think that was about 80 kids that just walked out of here. Um, thank you all so much for all the stuff you did yesterday. Dude, let me just tell you, that whole place, that new land looks amazing. I mean, it was just crazy to see the transformation that happened. There's some signs up, and um, boy, it, just, it looks really, really great. So I just want to give thanks to, uh, to God and each other and the work through all of you. Thank you all so much. Um, just a note about today's sermon, all right? I want to kind of just give a heads up. I don't normally do this kind of stuff, but we're going to deal with some pretty difficult subject matter today. And, um, and so I just want to give you kind of a disclaimer that, um, that, that, that we're going to do that, all right? So it's going to be some difficult subject matter. We're going to talk about probably a difficult subject, maybe for some people in the room. And also a trigger warning for folks that have been victims um, of sexual assault. All right, so I just want to make sure that everybody's aware. That's kind of what we're talking about. It's totally okay if you need to get up and go get a little coffee or you need to take some time, take a walk. That is a-okay, but I want everybody just to be aware. It wouldn't be a fair thing to just surprise you with. Amen? Amen. Last week we had this, uh, this retreat. I'm sure you heard about it on Sunday morning. It was the Southman Retreat. Men! It was fantastic if you haven't been on it. As a matter of fact, we had such a good time. We're thinking about trying to maybe even do one again sooner uh, instead of waiting another year to do it because it was just a great time and all kinds of, what's that, next weekend? Next weekend, that's the one. We're going next weekend. <laughs> we had a really good time, though. One of the things that we did on this Southland retreat was that we played some paintball. And I actually have a picture of French Scott. I thought you guys might like that. That was French that was up here just a minute ago doing the announcements. This is actually him um, on field number two. About halfway through that game, we were able to get a good shot of him um, as he got a lot of good shots uh, on us, unfortunately. But yeah, that's, that's French. It was super fun. Some guys were full on crazy. As a matter of fact, uh, French was even found to be diving into like brush area to like, you know, hide. And he had come up with this whole process. It was, it was, it was fantastic. It was also a little bit scary. And of course, when I got home, I don't know, did some of you guys have welts on you from playing paintball? Anybody have welts on you? My wife was like worried I had ringworm. Because there's all these little circle, like, what in the world is on you? It's, it's crazy. And, of course, my favorite was, was, like, Tom's got one, like, right here. I mean, it's probably still there. It's just this medal of honor, right center mass. It was awesome. Baby, what's that? I think it's ringworm. No, it's just paintball. It was a circle welts, and that's just the way it works. But half the time I got hit in paintball, half the time I got hit, I had no idea where I got hit from. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you're playing a game like that, and like, and I got like, a, I got my eye, like I was, I was gonna nail Travis. I saw Travis, I could see him, and I had him like, I had a bead on him. Of course, every time you shoot the little gun, the ball goes in a different direction slightly. It's like trying to throw a curveball, right, in a strike zone. It's really hard. And so every time I'd shoot him, it'd just go flying, and then all of a sudden, bam, I'd get hit out of nowhere. I had no idea where the shots were coming from half the time. And in the devotion following, we sat on the side of this hill, and we talked about shots fired. We get shots fired at us all the time. I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've lived this before. You feel those shots fired at you all the time. Say, amen, pastor. Come on. They even come from places that we don't expect. Life is just like that. And about half the time that we get hit, we have no idea where they even came from. 
Remember that saying when we were growing up, sticks and stones will break my bones, but there has never been a more full of Bistocki uh, uh, saying in the entire world. You know what I'm saying? Anybody with me on this one? Man, kids were brutal. That's so wrong. I remember kids saying just the most awful things to one another when I was growing up, the most awful things to me. And the truth be told, I said some of the most awful things to some other kids, too. The funny thing, though, is that it hasn't changed, has it? We still have it happen all the time. Can I preach to you this morning? Can I preach to you? Because I'm telling you, it still is happening all the time. And even from places that we didn't see it coming. Now, it's easy to kind of objectify this thing, right? This, this, this paintball, this, these shots coming out of nowhere. But, but the truth is, it's not some random evil person that's just trying to get at you all the time. A lot of times it's from people that you know. And even worse, sometimes it's from people that you love. A good chunk of the time, it's us just shooting at each other. Can't believe she'd wear a dress like that. To church? You kidding me? Did you see that? You can see her knees. <laughs> Why can't they just get it together, man? Every time they come in, their kids looking all crazy, hairs going all different directions. Why can't they just get it together? I can't believe they'd adopt two kids. Y'all are crazy. Yep, we heard it. Why can't you just be more like so and so? Anybody ever had that one? Why can't you just be more like so-and-so? Why can't you just be more like your sister or your brother or your cousin? Or why can't you stop being so much like your mom or your dad? If I'm preaching to you, say amen. amen. Let's read some scripture. See what God has to say about this. Read it with me, guys, the first sentence. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Okay, so far, so good. Give, and it will be given to you, awesome, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, now I'm getting excited, will be poured into your lap, maybe, my, maybe a basket though, because sometimes that could be messy if you're driving, For the, all right, I'll keep going, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Now, here's where he hits home. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will clearly be able to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. This is from what's called the Sermon on the Plain. It's really similar to the Sermon on the what? Excellent. Good job. Jesus is kind of on a roll here. Now, some scholars say that this could have been the Luke version of what they did in Matthew. Other scholars say that he kind of said this stuff a lot of times in a lot of different places. And so it wasn't that unusual for this kind of sermon to be happening. But he's on a roll here. And he's speaking to a large group of people. And he's teaching them how to live with each other in the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus' words here, I think, are pretty hard to hear. Amen? 
but yet they're beautiful. They invite us in to be blessed beyond measure, to have our cup runneth over, and yet also challenge us about how then we should live in response to God's great blessing. You belong here. You are welcome here, Jesus says. But it means something the way that we live together. It's kingdom life. How we treat each other is important. I can't help but think, though, this is an absolutely absurd reference. <laughs> I mean, think about it. A plank in your eye? Are you with me on this? Like, like I, 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 I've worked, we were, we were taking apart stuff yesterday, and right at the very, very end of the day, we found this one board that was, like, hanging from the ceiling that was sure to, like, end up sliding out and decking somebody in the head. And Aaron and I went and grabbed it out, and it's this huge plank of wood. And all I could think to myself is, as I'm thinking about this sermon, how absurd it is that you would even use this reference that a giant piece of wood, a giant plank, would be stuck in your eye. It's crazy. Now, it's coming from a carpenter, though, right? So, I mean, he was dealing with sawdust. He was dealing with planks all the time. How could you not see the plank? How would you not know? As a matter of fact, I think to not see the plank, you would have to choose to not see the plank. Amen? Actually, I think, as a matter of fact, if you've got a plank in your eye, you can't see anything. And sawdust would be equally as bad as an irritation. Anybody ever got sawdust in their eye? Say amen. I actually say loud, loud. It's the worst. It gets up in there and you can't find it. Or you have an eyelash fall down or you catch a little gnat. Anybody ever catch gnats in their eyes? Why? I don't understand. That little irritation, though, gets stuck in there. Now, what's the one thing that happens immediately after something gets in your eye? What does your eye do? Say it out loud. Ooh, that was good. That was both answers. It closes and it starts to water. It closes and it starts to water. The one guy with the speck, he can't see. Eyes closed, irritated, trying to rub, got to get it out, trying to pull it out, looking all kinds of different directions to see if you can find something in the mirror. Can't find it in the mirror. You got to find somebody else to get it. And then it's weird because they're sticking their finger in your eye. And then the other guy, he's got a plank. Can't see anything because, you know, plank is in your eye. No one can see. Everybody walking around blind. And this scripture comes to us on the heels of a very, very difficult thing where Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is teaching them a new way of seeing others. Not so much as enemies, but as partners in the gospel. And it's a difficult, difficult thing. It's as bad as getting smacked in the eye with a giant piece of wood and it's even as bad as having one of those small pieces of sawdust stuck in your eye. He gets it that it's going to be hard, but Jesus wants to change the way they see. Anybody like me so often you're like just in the zone that you forget that? To see other people differently than you do? I mean, I tell you, I, I'm glad that, you know, like... I. Well, I'm glad I don't drive on the interstates very often. It seems like every time I do, I learn new curse words. <laughs> you get in the zone, you get focused, you forget about how we're supposed to relate to each other. And we were having our, um, our band practice on, on Wednesday. 
And, um, and we, we started doing a thing, I guess, a couple of months ago where we just took a minute to sort of just check in and talk a little bit about the scripture and sort of talk about what God's doing in our lives. And uh, we had gotten in there. We were running behind. We had a lot to accomplish. People were tired. They had just been dealing with uh, traffic. They just come off work. So it's like late in the evening. And I was like, I just went to go hit the first chord. And right before I just stopped and I thought, wait, we've got to check in. And we took some time to do that. And brothers and sisters, I can't tell you how incredible it changed our entire rehearsal. Because we weren't there to just get the business done. We were there to be a church family together. That prayer, that sharing life story provided an intimacy and a relationship. Now, once we know the story, we can reset our perspective. I'm going to say that again. Once we know their story, we can reset our perspective. I may... I met an amazing woman uh, when I first got here, uh, and uh, just awesome, played softball with us, and uh, was, was doing some work in news and broadcasting, and just, to, just I, I will tell you this, I got, I got to know people, like, right away by things that I would remember about them, right? And so I could kind of attach those things, to, you know, as I tried to learn a lot of names, and when I first got here, coming to a church with, like, a thousand people, I was just like, oh my gosh, can we please wear name tags? Like, all the time. So I started memorizing people, and I memorized her as smile. It wasn't a typo. I memorized her as smile. She had this just powerful, powerful smile. Every time that she walked in the room and smiled, it would just take over the place. Out on the softball field, we'd be getting just destroyed by a softball team. And you look up at her playing second base or, or first, and she'd just smile. And it was like, hey, we're just playing softball met this woman, smile. I figured, oh, she's got it all together, right? Everything's good. She must have had an easy life. Everything's gone perfectly for her, and everything's just kind of fallen in line, and, and, and that's just the way it is. That's how she has this great smile. Until I heard her story. When she offered to tell me her story, everything changed. Brothers and sisters, Lauren Ratcliffe. Hey guys, I'm Lauren. Um, I'm not sure how to follow up that introduction, um, other than to say, you know, it's really humbling to be seen as Jesus sees me, because I don't know that I would describe myself that way, so to hear those words spoken about me is something in incredible to me. Um, I'm also not as smooth as Matt is, so I have note cards, so forgive me if I reference them, because uh, no matter how many times I've told what happened to me and I'm open about it, I still stumble over my words sometimes. Um, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and four and a half years ago, I was one of the people who needed awareness. I was completely unaware. You see, I thought that it was a crime that happened to those people who lived on that side of town, who worked those kinds of jobs, who made those kinds of decisions, and I was none of those things. And then on September 10th of 2014, I survived a violent sexual assault in my own home at the hands of a stranger. It was something that I thought could never happen to me. You see, that night I 
joined one in five women and one in 71 men who will be raped in their lifetime. Those numbers are staggering and they continue to knock me off my feet every time I think about them. Odds are you all know someone other than me who has survived a rape in their lifetime, or you will. And that's devastating when you really think about it. You see, sexual assault is one of those crimes that leaves behind stains of guilt and shame because it is not talked about openly. And I thank the Lord every day that I can talk about my own experience openly because I think it matters. And I think it matters to the people who are experiencing it, and it matters to the people who will experience it. So if you are a survivor in this room or watching online, please know that there is no guilt or shame in your story. There is power in your story. So on the screen behind me, and I was talking to Pastor Matt, you know, we talk about that moment that changed everything, and for me, my, my rape was something that changed literally every aspect of my life, except for one thing. It did not change God, and it did not change his goodness in my life. You see, in the four and a half years since my own assault, I've thought a lot about two things. I thought a lot about where was God, where was he that night, and also why. You know, the why did this happen to me? And I, I can't profess to have all of the answers. I can't even profess to have many of the answers, but I do have some that I've, I've come to, to realize and to accept in my own life. The first is that he was in and over me from the very beginning of my life and through every minute of my encounter with my assailant. You see, I have always been wired a little bit differently. I've always been a thinker and an analyzer and often an over-analyzer, if you know me. But in those hours, that saved my life. And I never realized how the Lord had worked to craft me in a very specific way that would eventually lead to justice for myself. You see, God was in every detail of what I went through. And if you want to know those details, you can ask me after. I just don't think that this is the, the place for that, but I'm an open book and would welcome that conversation with anyone who wants to have it. But God was in every detail from the things that I thought about, the things that I remembered, the things that I said, the things that I did that allowed me to not only survive, but to thrive afterwards and to achieve justice. Most importantly, though, God was in my friends and family. Um, in the days and weeks after my assault, the Lord showed me who my real friends were um, in ways that were big and small. I had two friends in particular who, once I was finally ready to live in my own apartment again by myself, would meet me after work at midnight and walk me into my apartment, turn on every light, open every door, and walk through the space to make sure that I felt safe. Huge thing for me, small thing for them. And they did this for weeks on end at midnight. When I finally took those steps on my own, they told me over and over to call them if I ever felt insecure. And that was everything to me. They were, they were Jesus to me. 
in ways that they realized in ways that they didn't. You see, I hate asking for help, and the Lord met me in, in that need because sexual assault is too big to deal with by yourself. And too many people try to. The why did this happen is often harder for me to answer uh, because I don't believe for a second that the Lord caused this to happen in my life. I do believe that he allowed it because he knew from the beginning of my life that this would be part of my story. And so he equipped me along the way in ways that I didn't realize until it happened. And I believe that he gave me this story so that I could now point others to him. That's, that's the whole purpose. And which is why I can stand here proud of my status as a survivor because I know that ultimately the Lord loves me enough to share that with others so that they can know that there's a God who loves them more deeply than they can even imagine. You see, that moment changed everything in my life. It changed how I view safety. It changed how I view my friendship. It changed more things than I can even count. But God gave me so much more because he's the one thing that never changed. And that is the only hope that I cling to. So look around your, your circles, your workplaces, your families. You know someone who has been affected by sexual assault, and odds are they haven't told you. Odds are they may never. We can just be love and light to those that we meet because you never know what story is behind the smile. That's what I've got. Amen. Incredibly powerful witness. Amen. Maybe see. Hearing that story reminds us you never really know what's going on with people. We assume we do, and we think that that gives us the right to point fingers. But the one thing from my childhood I do remember that still works is that every time you point that finger, three point back at you. We set our sights with that judgment. We target in and then pull the trigger. But Jesus is calling us to listen to each other's stories. Share life. Share prayer with those around you. So what if instead of ready, aim, fire, we start with love? In baptism today, McKenna Dare is now wearing Jesus. So every time that God looks at her, won't see the brokenness that she'll experience in her life. Because we all do. God sees Jesus. Jesus wants us to think about how we see others. What if we laid down our weapons and opened wide our arms? Starting with love means seeing the best in everyone that we encounter. 
means seeing life from their eyes. It's seeing a way to make sure that their needs are met. Because here's the good news. Jesus knows your story. He knows the completeness of your story. And Jesus could point that finger. Jesus knows what you've been through and starts with love on you. So what if today we made the decision to start with love? With that person that wronged you, start with love. With that family member that keeps pushing you away, start with love. With that person at work that drives you insane, start with love. With that kid at school who's always mean, start with love. Because you never know what's going on. Jesus wants us to see each other and start with love. Because you never know what's going on behind those eyes, behind that smile. Unless you ask. In which case you might find out you're not the only one hurting. Amen. Pray with me if you would. Good and gracious God, we thank you for Lauren. Powerful witness. The power of her story to invite others who've been hurt to not walk alone. And to hear so very clearly, it's not your fault. You don't have to carry that guilt and shame. Because God, you don't hold us hostage, neither can we. You start with love every time. We give you thanks, oh God, for your grace, for your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.